Yeah, 23 minutes it is after 7 p.m. We got a lot for you tonight. We got a jam-packed lineup. Of course, we'll be taking a look in the next few minutes or so with Bandile Matandela, the latest out in the world of business. Also going to be joined by Sisimbumimbofu, CEO at the Airports Company of South Africa. We talk about the numbers uh, that have come out uh, tonight, and uh, we'll be trying to make sense of uh, uh, what's under the bonnet of uh, that release. And then. Uh, yeah, Criselda Lewis, SABC reporter, gives us the latest coming out of uh, the Asenzo Meiwa murder case. And then in the second hour tonight, in our Thought Leader Thursday segment, joined uh, by a newly elected National Executive Committee member and spokesperson of the Pan-Africanist Congress of Azania, Simtandile Azania Kiali, is my guest tonight. And uh, we talked to her as one of the young leaders emerging in the new National Executive Committee of the Pan-Africanist Congress of Azania. That's what we have coming up. You don't want to miss it. And uh, yeah, let's take this brief break. joins me on the line. 24 minutes it is after 7 p.m. We take a look at the latest out in the markets. Joining me on the line is Bandile Matandela, market analyst. Mdaka Matandela, maskwa mkwela pa FM talk. Man, Look, tell us you at the TB conference, no? Yes, at the TB conference. Okay, yeah. all right, all right. Uh, maybe just uh, your key takeaways just from today's proceedings? Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think the, the, the key thing is just uh, highlighting the fact that uh, there's still, you know, TB still remains a serious problem. And that, mm. uh, of course, there's a lot of innovations that are happening. But I think the question around access and affordability of the treatment remains um, a key one. But uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of stakeholders that are trying to find various uh, innovations of clinical trials mm. happening. Um, but I, I suppose I have a question is always going to be around access, right? Uh, is, are we going to be able to give access to quality healthcare to those that actually need it the most? You know, and I suppose that's the main problem with um, the public health system in Africa. Yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, I mean, for for the amount of people it takes away, we often don't speak yeah. enough about yeah, uh, you know, uh, tuberculosis. And so, uh, yeah, wishing you and uh, uh, those proceedings all of the best there. Uh, but let's maybe come back to the big uh, pieces of company news that came through uh, today. And uh, I want us to start out with Adobe. Now, I must say, for many years, uh, I, I've had the fortune or misfortune of having to rely on Adobe for the editing of, um, you know, footage, for the editing of, uh, you know, uh, moving visuals uh, and all yeah. manner of things, and I must say, uh, you know, they they are very dominant. I mean, you you go, you talk about Photoshop, Premiere, Illustrator, InDesign, Young as uh, and it seems now they're trying to, I guess, shed that and uh, shift into the consumer space in terms of um, online collaborative working uh, with uh, a mooted acquisition now of Figma. Who is Figma? Yeah, I mean, I think um, interesting, interesting organization, uh, Figma. It, it is, they say it's a startup, right, in, in a sense, because it sort of spent a couple of years in stealth mode um, before sort of coming through uh, with some browser-based tools. But from what I understand, I mean, of course, 
This is me not being a, a, a tech guru or anything. These guys uh, do more, um, sort of, they make online design collaboration tools. Um, so this is what this is what's coming out from it. Um, and as you said, I mean, I think it's supposed, so it, it, it's Adobe's play uh, into sort of the more consumer-focused space. Um, and I think their share price has been um, significantly, uh, you know, obviously impacted and decreasing over the number of years with sort of um, investors feeling that they're potentially losing. Um, uh, although they, they, you know, they, they, they sort of uh, a big player in the space, they, they, they're losing a bit of their dominance um, from a, a um, from a consumer perspective. Mm. So this is supposedly one of their plays that um, they, 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 they're playing into to try and make sure that they remain relevant in that space. Must be a great one, though, for the founder there of Figma, yeah. uh, who, you know, I guess a startup that's been around uh, not even a decade now, uh, to have had this opportunity to be acquired and uh, see a potential or even a partial exit in this fashion. Yeah, I mean, it is, right? I mean, if you just consider the valuation that's being discussed here, uh, they're easily discussing uh, about more than 15 billion US dollars, you mm. know, so, I mean, that valuation for for a startup is quite impressive. And I suppose it's these tech deals, right? Uh, uh, and, and, and maybe the broader conversation around the valuations, you know, is the method of valuating the mm. tech companies, you know. But, um, I mean, yeah, if you that far, the founder there is definitely smiling to the bank, you know. Do you have um, your question marks about those valuations? I, I, I always do, I mean, when it comes to tech companies, right? Um, because a lot of it, right, is, is, is really centered around, again, it will depend on the on the method they use, whether it's a, it's a multiple or they've got free cash flow. But um, there's a lot of assumptions that go into play. And I'm sure, you know, in the back of that deal, there's a lot of, uh, you know, conditions as well set against these uh, assumptions. But um, I'm always slightly skeptical when it comes to valuations for tech companies because at times they, 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 they do tend um, to, 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 to be bloated to an extent. But uh, I suppose, uh, you know, if you consider the list of the clients that they say they have, maybe there is a bit of uh, justification there. You know, the Airbnbs, Google, Netflix, Twitter. So it's all the big guys in the tech space. And I suppose there's a lot of reliance based on the type of client and the size of client that they have that's been based on that valuation. And and then, I mean, maybe just the last one before we let this one go. This Figma, what, what does it allow people to be able to do online? And uh, why, I guess, has it become so important in the post-COVID-19 moment? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, again, again, I am, I'm, my you know, understanding from a tech space is quite limited. But um, from what I understand, you know, it allows collaborators to sort of bypass, um, you know, the process of uh, saving and sending their work to colleagues. Um, and it says that they're using a lot of desktop apps. So, you know, um, I suppose it makes it much easier um, for, 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 for collaborators to, 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 to do a lot of design work. Yeah, yeah. Shifting away, I guess, from the world of software, Anglo-American as one of their platinum operations in Zimbabwe seems to have, yeah, I guess, uh, set for a collision course over the last few years or so with the Zimbabwean Revenue Authority. Um, one would have thought this issue was resolved a few years ago. What's what's happening now? Yeah, so, I mean, this is a, a case that dates back to 2018, as you, as you mentioned. And, I mean, from the understanding, we, you know, everyone has uh, thought that this has been resolved. Um, it is said that um, the, the, the tax authorities, when they are there, uh, allege that um, the uh, the mine that is owned by Anglo America called Inky Mine 
was underpaying mining royalties. Um, so from, from what we understand is that they had actually paid those disputed royalties in local currency, uh, but the tax authority is demanding payment in dollars. It is said that um, they basically um looking to garnish uh, and hold about 24 million US dollars over this dispute. Uh, so Unki Mines have actually approached the High Court um, requesting them that um, they intervene um, and um, assist them in this particular case, raising that uh, if if this actually is allowed to proceed, it actually puts the organization in a very difficult position and uh, sort of um, makes it difficult for them to continue uh, operations uh, from here on. Um, and then if we shift our attention to uh, some of the numbers that have come through from first round, a historic, yeah, I yeah. guess, uh, dividend there. Uh, and a big part of it, uh, if I look at these numbers, I mean, I hear them talking up the end, sort of um, uh, non-interest, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, revenue, uh, but also, I guess, uh, some improvement even in their net interest income showing there. Uh, what has given rise to uh, this very strong showing and uh, might it have to do, I guess, with lower provisions for some of the losses? Yeah, so lower provisions. I've mentioned the, uh, a series of um, of reasons, uh, cost management um, that, that have benefited a lot. And I mean, I think for me, what was even more impressive, Aya, because I'm always mindful, you know, particularly when you're looking at financial results and this year, you know, what we're exactly, what are we comparing it against? Because, mm. you know, we've seen in the last two years uh, sort of a slump across all industries. So um, what what was impressive is that they're, they're basically performing even better than uh, 2019, which is pre-COVID. Um, you know, um, record highs in terms of dividends decayed. They are supposed to be a shareholder at first rate right now. You, you, you're smiling and very happy at the moment. You know, they've seen increases across board. Um, the return on equity is sitting at, um, within their target rate at about 20.6. You know, uh, their earnings are up. They are, you know, the economic profit has almost doubled. So it seems like uh, first rate has had a really good showing um, and uh, the stated, you know, the increase in the non-interest loans. But, um, yeah, it seems like a very, very good showing for first round and um, happy times uh, if you are a stakeholder for you. Mm, mm. And uh, I guess, um, you know, the other big story here certainly is uh, the uh, impact of some of the other, you know, annuity-type businesses in the case of RMB and uh, also uh, a lot of the uh, sort of uh, value-added services plays. How, how have that contributed to this number? Uh, and I also want us, uh, I guess, to hone in just on that life uh, business there, which has seen a, a significant improvement uh, in uh, embedded value and also the uh, insurance premi- premiums that were written. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, RMB has had quite a strong showing, um, and, and, and I mean, I think uh, from the contribution perspective. But I mean, I suppose though, if you compare it to to, to last year from the composition of earnings perspective, you know, they're contributing around uh, you know twenty five percent, twenty six percent mark. But um, you know, assuming they're strong business and a significant contributor now into the first year, but of course, FNB is still uh, one of their main businesses with about sixty percent uh, contribution of their earnings. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's looking very good um, from them, and they've experienced you know almost growth across board. You know, West Bank has also come in quite strong. Their UK operations um, have also come in. You know, and uh, and as you mentioned, you know, there are other equity instruments. Um, seemingly, um, it's just it's just coming together quite well for first round at the moment, um, and it's supposed the question, if any, uh, is going to be around. You know, um, is this going to be sustained, and how long will it be sustained going forward? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, in the next few minutes or so, we're going to be speaking to Sisimbumi Bofu, uh, CEO out at the airport company of South Africa. It seems, 
you know, Ukvulekakwezkululo Zangwelo Moya have certainly had a big impact uh, on uh, their top line numbers, but also some challenges remain uh, on the cost side of things. Jet fuels up, uh, and uh, yeah. also, I guess, um, some of their non aviation revenues are also a challenge somewhat. Uh, what did you make of the numbers they put out? Yeah, I mean, I think interesting, and, and, and to expect it to a certain extent, as you mentioned, you know, as the, the, the economy sort of opened up, uh, I never sort of expected that uh, AXA would be would begin to see an increase. Um, you know, I mean, I think it's positive, uh, 81% revenue increase. Um, they are lost, of course, they're still in a lost position, but um, their loss has reduced, you know, from 2.6 billion to about 1, 1, $1 billion. Um, and I mean, I think uh, you're probably going to, con- hopefully, you know, you're going to continue seeing this increase going forward. But um, I mean, I think uh, a good showing nonetheless from them. Um, and as you mentioned, they still do have certain challenges, uh, you know, jet fuel. Um, and um, I mean, I think also what was interesting is uh, just looking at um, what what contributed most in terms of uh, their increase. You know, it was more around domestic travel uh, and also regional as well, but international, I suppose, impacted by. Uh, you know, still impacted to a certain extent by COVID, but mm. I think going forward as we begin to see, uh, I suppose you can call it the end of COVID as a pandemic, um, you know, you, you, you'll begin to see uh, a lot more um, flights and the aviation industry is going to open up a bit more, but um, a strong showing from AXA, uh, although, of course, they still in a lost position um, and they still have uh, some challenges on their side, um, we'll, 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 we'll take the positives nonetheless here. Indeed, and uh, we'll certainly look at those stories, Dagamata um, and Dela, with Mbofu um, in the next while. But uh, do enjoy, uh, yeah, and uh, all the best there at that TB conference. Uh, till we check in again. Cool. Thank you very much. I have a good show going forward. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Bandile Matandela speaking to us uh, tonight here in our business wrap on the Mighty Metro. 20 minutes it is before 8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. In the second part of our business wrap tonight, we take a look at uh, the audited numbers coming through uh, from the Airports Company of South Africa for the year ending 31 March 2022. Joined on the line uh, to take a look at these uh, with uh, the CEO of uh, AXA, and that is uh, Sisimbumi Mbofu. Sisimbumi, good evening and welcome. Good evening, Ayabonga, and good evening to your listeners. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us. Susan Bumi, the uh, results are for the year ending 31 March. Um, we're probably nearing now 31 September. Uh, why did the audited financials take so long to come out on the sands? Oh, they normally do, Ayabonga. You must know that our year ends in 31st March. We then get the Auditor General, who generally does our auditing, and they only released their final report on the 31st of July. That's across the entire state apparatus. And from 31st July, when the audited report is produced, we then produce what is our uh, annual report, and that basically is what we are launching Mm. with this It's it's a normal cycle. Most of us are releasing results at this time for state, uh, state indeed, entities. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. So, I want us to take a look at what's under the bonnet of these numbers. Your your top line revenue up 81%, uh, and a big part of that having to do, I guess, with the opening up of the aviation space, uh, moving from $2.2 billion to $3.9 billion. But you've also reported a loss, and I'm quite interested, I guess, in what has been happening on the cost side of things, uh, both on the OPEX and even the CAPEX side, uh, that uh, even with this improved revenue performance, uh, you're still in a loss, albeit, of course, a smaller loss than what you had last year. 
Yes, no, that's absolutely true. What we managed to do just in, a, in a implementing our cost-cutting measures was to cap our K-tax at $1 billion for uh, several years until recovery, which is projected to be in 2024-25. And that basically has meant that in the K-tax environment, um, we're spending less, we're focusing on maintenance and refurbishment, and we've cut out all the topic-related uh, capital expenditure, mm. as you would expect. So our projection for recovery is what informs our renewed APAC uh, spend as we proceed. On the operating expenditure, we've also basically seen some increases um, by 3.9% to $2 billion. And that's what's important around that is we've had some areas where we've had increases and some areas where we've had declines in the repair and maintenance expenditure increasing by 16 0.4% and security costs increasing by 6.9%, mm. uh, and our information and operating systems increasing by 4.9%. We've also had uh, cost-cutting measures implemented in the uh, staff costs in that area, and that has declined somewhat by $300 million. and in that particular year. In the utilities, costs and property rates and taxes, basically we've uh, com- seen... Uh, account, they accounted for 23% compared to slightly less in the previous mm, year. Mm. So generally what's, what's really been driving uh, us is dealing and responding responsibly on the operating cost environment but cutting as much as possible. Um, but our KPEX has really been muted significantly because of the uh, low traffic volumes that have been uh, in the operating environment. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I'm quite interested in, um, because, I mean, I guess with the opening up, uh, you were quoted in the sentence earlier on today saying a big part of the recovery was driven, um, albeit uneven, uh, with domestic and regional traffic recovering uh, significantly rather, I guess, than, you know, long-haul flights and so on. You must be really concerned um for this financial year we're in now, by the withdrawal of many sort of big budget airlines that service both the domestic and regional uh, lines. I'm thinking Mango, I'm thinking SA Express, I'm thinking, you know, of um, uh, the likes of Comair, all of which, of course, even in the year we're discussing, uh, we're facing some challenges. But the fact that they're not coming back uh, might be a big concern for yourselves. Well, it does have a negative impact, but I must hasten to add that that impact is only uh, for very short periods. So as we started this particular financial year, we had the demise of, of ComEx and then the confirmation of the others also coming off um, in relation to just capacity. Mm. So what tends to happen is initially you have a crunch in capacity, i.e. number of seats that are available, that has an immediate impact on increasing pricing. And I'm sure every citizen who's traveled in the recent month will indicate that they're just shocked by the pricing of tickets to domestic markets, Durban and Cape Town, uh, are are very high unless you book very early. So that's the immediate impact. But I must indicate that it it, it really has an impact only in the interim. Mm. Because what the airlines tend to do immediately after recognizing the number of seats are out is they then go out and lease new aircraft. First, they get to a point at which their load factors reach a maximum, which means the aircraft are full, mm. and then during that period, they're able to then do fleet increase. 
when they do fleet increase, we openly, normally open out and go back to normal. What we're discussing now with the airlines, having observed what's happened in Europe, is importantly increasing fleet. And a lot of them are out there in the market looking for fleet and ensuring that by the time we get to November, December, particularly November, mm. we've built up that fleet to cater for the increased traffic that we're all expecting in the festive season. So it will normalize. It's sure. not all doom and gloom. The industry is very flexible. We have a lot of competition in South Africa. We've got a lot of airlines. We've also got international airlines coming in, increasing their frequencies, which means uh, the number of uh, routes that they operate mm. and the number of uh, aircraft that they operate and the number of times they come into a country. And, and so it's all looking up. Yeah. There is a period of adjustment, but it will very easily normalize. We've had an international Belgian airline that's coming in, and that's good news on the local front. It's not all doom and gloom. The likes, and I wouldn't say some of the airlines are actually increasing their capacity, as you've seen. Mm. The newcomers like Lyft are looking stable and growing. Sure. The other airlines basically are increasing the fares, increasing capacity. Airlink is getting new aircraft. It's, it's all augering well for that mm. growth. Yeah. The, the good thing is with the advantage of experience, so we're planning for it, and we're not going to be ca- caught napping uh, without having planned for the eventual mm. increase. And that goes not only for the airlines, but also for ground handling capacity and all of the uh, facilities yeah. uh, around the value chain of aviation. Sure. So, let's talk briefly just about on the CapEx side of things, because uh, yeah. I guess prior to the pandemic, a lot was expected uh, insofar as large construction works, new addition, uh, you know, of uh, capital assets, insofar as your equipment is concerned across the entire value chain. You had to scale a lot of that back uh, because of the restrictions on travel and uh, uh, you indicate that uh, you've contained that just to maintenance and uh, refurbishment. Uh, talk to us now that things have opened up in this current financial year we're in now. What are some of the big you know, uh, uh, capital spending plans that you've got uh, in the medium to long term? In the short term, we're going to be focusing on maintenance, refurbishment, engineering work. You must have seen that on our platforms, we basically mothballed a whole lot of our infrastructure. Mm. So what we have to spend money back is recommissioning that, maintaining it and bringing it back to life for useful service of the increase in traffic. Those are short-term pay packs, which is the $1 billion, $1 billion in the next year. We will start with the development programs only in about three years' time and then relook at some of the areas where we already know that we have uh, constraints in capacity. I can indicate that there were, at the point at which it was frozen, there were a number of terminal expansion programs, and I named Cape Town particularly. You would know that it, it kind of looks constrained even now, and would be probably bringing that back to ensure that we're able to cater with the growing numbers. The real issue around runway expansion, mm. runway refurbishment is going to be a big one because over the COVID years, I think we've seen some deterioration uh, in some of our runways, and we'll bring that back up to speed. But runway extension, unlikely in the even the medium term, simply because there are a number of um, um, ways in which we can deal with the increased traffic without necessarily increasing the length of runway. So those are going to be on hold for mm. some time. Uh, but there's also very exciting things like... Uh, upward lift in aviation that's emerging. So runway length is becoming some kind of archaic mechanism of dealing with 
uh, efficiencies in this mm. way. But also, we might be doing some runway work where we're introducing parallel, but not necessarily extensions. Uh, but that's in the medium term. The important thing we're going to implement is an aerotropolis and airport city development program, which is really utilizing our land, vacant land, on our uh, platforms and airports in developing commercial property. So what's important for us is going to be diversification mm-hmm. of our revenue streams, moving out to service what is a growth in cargo. We'll be looking at cargo facilities quite extensively. We'll be looking at commercial e-commerce facilities because that's generally what COVID has taught us. The passenger traffic is becoming only its component of airport business. What diversifying into property, mm. e-commerce, cargo movement, cargo is by far exceeding uh, passenger sure, performance sure. in this particular okay. area, so and that's going to be very exciting for us. Awesome, awesome, and a lot in the pipeline, it seems. But this we're going to have to leave it there. Unfortunately, we have run out of time. A pleasure catching up with you. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much.